So welcome to the Do More Good podcast, season three. All good things come in threes, don't they, Kenny? Of course they do. Three musketeers, little pigs, triangles, your degree. <laughs> we should probably know what we're doing by now, right? You'd think so. There are times you have to step away from that and do the bigger, scarier, crunchier, harder work because it pays off in the end. Making sure that the senior people from that organisation get involved with the partnership. It's not scary. The worst thing that can happen is that someone can go, bloody hell, that was a bit of a cock-up. Do I've had a few folk not from Scotland that have said to me, I didn't know you could do that with bagpipes. <laughs> I think the, the message is... Do more good. Yeah! So here we are, James. Episode number 29 of the Do More Good podcast. How are you doing? Kenny, I am busy, as you are as well, which is um, which is why the two of us are sat at home at nine o'clock on a Friday night. All of the cool kids from work are out drinking. They've gone to see a band. And I'm sat at home chatting to my boyfriend on Skype. <laughs> and I'm drinking a cheap gin and tonic and you've got a, a, a can of Carl in there, isn't it? Yeah, we're on the beers this evening. <laughs> yeah, how have you been? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. I'm all right. Yeah, it does feel a bit weird to actually not be doing this in, in front of you and in a, in a pub or in a cafe. But yeah, unfortunately, as you say, life's got a bit in the way for us, hasn't it? We've just been so busy that we've had to do things a bit solo. As you were saying, we've em- we're embracing technology this evening. We we've are. We've got through a couple of technical hitches and we're here. Already, already. Yeah. But we've, uh, we've dragged ourselves into the 21st century and have tried something that actually we did speak about, didn't we? We said, like, we're never going to do it on Skype. We're always going to do this face-to-face. And I think we'll continue with that mantra with our guests and with interviews, but we just thought... This introduction thing, we need to get one done. Let's give it a go. Yeah, exactly. But it's not all technology, is it? You showed me, you just showed me the video of your back garden where you've been doing some manual labour. <laughs> well, I suppose, yeah, there is some advantages to be sat at home. Yeah, I've had a, um, a busy, busy couple of weeks. I thought I'd get away from this kind of office job and, and get out in the garden, try and fit some, um, some deck in myself, which has been a bit of a challenge whilst also yeah. looking after three kids during half term uh, so yeah that was that was cool get them, get them helping you out out there to be honest they've probably done a better job than i did <laughs> <laughs> but you had a uh, an interesting conversation with a friend of the pod and and we might have some interesting recording coming up soon yeah so it's um the friday after the wednesday of pizza for losers so we sent our roving reporter alfie waldron down with the, with the microphones or the gear he said that went really well, so we're looking forward to listening back through, I think, about three and a half hours of <laughs> we got there. So we're going to see what we have to do about trimming that one down. But he was, yeah, he said it was really good, so I'm looking forward to that episode. That'll be next. Yeah, I, I, had, a, I had a quick uh, quick listen to a couple of bits today, and it, it sounded sounded really good. But yeah, as you say, a little bit of time in the editing room required, I think. And, and we're kind of recording today is kind of episode 29 is a bit of an intro into an interview which I did yesterday evening with our guest this week which was uh richard sved um which we i met richard over near waterloo and 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 sat down and flew solo for the first time you You were were at the controls 
it, I must admit, it felt a bit strange for me. It was like missing my wingman. Well, where was the idiot to make all the dad jokes? Yeah, I'm, well, exactly. I'm hoping that you stepped in on that front and you took some of your best. <laughs> well, I think you'll probably just have to listen to to see if any of them. Yeah, no spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe need a bit of improvement on the dad jokes for the next episode. But no, it was a it was a good conversation. You know, really interesting guy, really experienced, and and obviously he's what today's episode were all about so we'll um we'll introduce it into him in a second is that is there anything that you've you've seen james or what, what you've been up to recently in, in terms of work and the, the sector generally um i ran your 10k the other day actually vitality and london 10,000. that's the the, the the very same yeah it was great great day out loads of people there really sunny really well organized i hear you had nothing to do with it and it all went it all went brilliantly yeah. yeah, that's probably the reason why it went brilliantly. Because uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not it's as much manual uh, labour as your was... desk, but good. 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 Yeah. Good. Good. it was my, 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 my weekend off, thankfully. Well, look, should we? Um... Go on, sorry. I was going to say, why don't we jump into um, your interview with Richard? I'm keen to hear it. Yeah, let's do that. So we'll wrap it up there from our, our guys. We'll see you all all soon. But here's a, a podcast interview that we recorded. This week with the gentleman that is Richard Sved. Enjoy. That's fun. See you soon. Cheers, mate. Right. It's recording now. OK, so this week I'm flying solo as James has unfortunately had to attend a funeral. And as they say in showbiz, the show must go on and we didn't want this to stop our conversation with this week's guest. This is actually the second attempt at recording the podcast because I just noticed that I forgot to press record. But never mind, we're still here. So our guest today has really been a keen advocate for the work of the charity sector for several years. He's got a wealth of experience across fundraising, across charity governance, communications and leadership. And after starting his career in the third sector, working for Kids Enjoy Exercise Now, otherwise known as Keen, our guest worked through a number of organisations in a variety of roles, and some of them include Tommy's, the National Literacy Trust, Museums, Libraries and Archives, Bright Ideas Trust and Leap. And then, in 2013, he decided to set up his own consultancy, and as he's just mentioned, he was wanting to be a bit nosy. Uh, so he started working with a number of other organisations in both interim roles, uh, providing training, and uh, on a variety of projects. So there isn't much he, he doesn't know. He's really um, a supporting and encouraging voice for the sector, and he can often be found working to really make the sector more accessible, and make it think differently but also continue to deliver exceptional work as fundraisers for their beneficiaries. He's also an avid parkrunner. And so if you haven't seen our guest at a conference or if you haven't read his excellent blog or you haven't spotted him on social media, um, I'm not actually sure where you've been. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Richard Sved to the podcast. Thank you. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you again. Sorry, again. We'll, try this. <laughs> we'll try this a second time. I said all the great things last time. <laughs> I know. Luckily, we only got a few minutes in and I promise I haven't had a drink yet, so it wasn't... It can't, that can't be the excuse. <laughs> um, well, Richard, look, thank you so much for joining us. It's really great to have you here. And as I said to you, to you earlier, I think it's great to meet people that you've seen around the sector mm. on social media or whatever and actually meet you face to face. So thank you once again. Um, so before we kind of kick into the meat of it, obviously the Do More Good podcast is around really kind of sharing those stories of individuals that have had you know, long careers or have done a lot of interesting things in the sector. And we hope that people will take something away from it that maybe they can apply for themselves in their in their job tomorrow. Um, but before we get into that and some of the, the crooks of the of the show, uh, can you just give us a bit of a bit of your background, how you kind of went from an English degree at Oxford to, yep. to where you've got to today? 
Yes, um, thank you. Uh, so my involvement with the charity sector actually predates my university degree. I was always involved through, through school, really, I suppose, uh, organising events with uh, organisations like Mencap um, and doing a bit of visiting of a, a local chap with um, epilepsy, I seem to remember. Um, I didn't just knock on his door and say, hi, I'm Richard, but it was, it was kind of arranged by the school. Yeah. Um, and... And then volunteering with a charity that you mentioned, Kids Enjoy Exercise Now, through university. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was only towards the end of that time that I suddenly realised that actually this was something, working in the charity sector was something that I could do. It wasn't really advertised mm. back back then. Yeah. Um, you, you said several, but actually it's kind of several decades, <laughs> um, which is a, a frightening thought. Um so I went to the career service and said I'd, I'd like to work in charities, and they were completely dumbfounded. I bet. Um, and eventually, kind of handed me a, some sort of leaflet that they found. Uh, they were expecting me to be a management consultant or something like that, <laughs> um, which is quite ironic because I've be- kind of become a charity management consultant. Yeah. Um, Twenty-five years later, um, and then worked worked in various charities in fundraising for um, a good twenty years, as, as you have rightly said. Um, and then uh, six years ago, thought I'm too nosy, mm. um, and I want to know uh, about, about more charities and, and help more charities. Yeah. Um, in a in a consultancy way, mm-hmm. um, and and so I set up my company, Third Sector Mission Control. And there we and there we are. Yeah. And <laughs> that's the that's the story. At that time when you you mentioned at kind of university and and, and obviously your your peers and and, and friends etc were all going off to probably their management consultancy jobs. What what was it that kind of kept you on that on that path? Do you think at that time to think? No, I've I've seen the charity sector. I've seen what the impact fundraising can have. What what made you kind of think at that point? Because it wasn't a normal thing to do, right? As you say, no, it, it wasn't. Um, what kind of pushed you pushed you through to kind of do that? Um, I think it it really was that that charity kids enjoy exercise was now. It? Yeah, it really uh, was. Okay. Um, it it transformed my time at university because I look, looked around and and most people there were very, very kind of heads down within the university walls mm. uh, and and that charity made me see the rest of the city really mm. so we were we were heading out on a Saturday morning to to poorer parts of Oxford um, doing great stuff that was really helping those young people and, and their families mm. and uh, and I I really just thought I want I want to do this kind of thing I want to be involved with with this kind of passion mm. in some way mm. and, and I'd, I'd done kind of work experience in other other sectors, like advertising and things like that, and, and thought well, that might be good for my skills. I knew I could write and, and communicate, but mm. they, it never really floated my boat until I had that experience. Mm. I can imagine that 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 passion once you see it, because I, I, I think in reflecting on on my story into the into the sector, and, and mine was kind of from a volunteer role, and then saw the the impact that that was having, and thought, well, actually, can I do this as a job? But it, it must be interesting for people that actually leave the sector and kind of go into a maybe a typical advertising job because I can imagine you you miss that you miss that passion you miss that human connection you miss that impact that you can really see that the, the fact that you're doing good right I think so I mean it, it's it's easy to lose sight of it mm. but uh, the, the bottom line is that that's why all our charities exist yeah um, and and your podcast is very aptly named for that reason mm. I would I would say um, but it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't write off other other sectors because mm. they were 
they they give you have an opportunity as a volunteer for example yes um and and you can reach people in whatever way you work i would yeah. say yeah no absolutely so what was it the experience that you kind of gained from those roles earlier in your career and you said you were you were quite nosy so you wanted to see and i know you were only uh, playing there but you know what was it that kind of you saw through that that you thought okay now's the time that i can maybe offer that value to another organization was there was there something at that point was it are you, are you talking about the very my very early roles? Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm th- trying to think about your early career and what was mm-hmm. it that you took from your early career that got to you to a point where you think, right, now I might go and do... I can offer more of my experience to other organisations to have even more impact. Was it? Um, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I, I went from Keen um, to a job at ICANN, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a speech and language charity that you, you may know about. Yeah. Um, and had a very happy uh, time there. Uh, my job title there was fundraiser, <laughs> <laughs> which is, is a job title I've never seen before. Yeah, since. I don't think I've seen that actually. Yeah, <laughs> which and and that explains its breadth actually. So I was incredibly mm. lucky to to pick up on loads and loads of different specialisms. Mm. Um, and by the end of my two years there, I had kind of settled into trust fundraising in particular, mm. and thought. There's, there's more that I could do here. I'd like to go to a, a different charity working in those areas and maybe maybe picking up a few more specialisms along the way. Mm-hmm. It w- there wasn't really a, there wasn't really a, a design at that point that I thought one day I want to be an, a head of fundraising or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was just what where can where can I go next? You were having fun. I was having fun. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'd been there for a couple of years, which at that stage in my career seemed like a long time mm-hmm. it, it doesn't now yeah but two years seemed like a long time and, and i was ready for the next the next step mm-hmm. and then you finally got to that thing you said in 2013 i think when you decided to to go it alone as, as a consultant what i mean i can imagine the, the climate's probably a little bit different then back in 2013 compared to how it is now um yep. what was the what was the driver behind that decision if you don't mind me asking um so the driver there was was partly to do with nosiness, but <laughs> but um, there were other things too. I, w- I was very, I I was outwardly very happy in my job. I was working at Leap Confronting Conflict, which mm-hmm. is a a great charity. Um, I liked my manager. I really l- love what the charity is doing, um, and they they work with young people to help them understand conflict in their lives. Right. Um, I was raising good amounts of money mm-hmm. um and it, i think if i hadn't attended that training ironically i probably would have stayed because um it made me start to think about why despite all those good things about where i was why there was something that wasn't quite right and i yeah. needed to make a change um and i i think that that um when when the steps are right for you in your career you can you kind of know and it doesn't it's it's not. It's not a brave thing. It's just mm. knowing that actually this is this is the next thing for me to do. Feels right. It, it felt exactly. It felt mm. right. And I sat down. Um, I was in St Pancras Station every morning before work, and I mm. sat down and I, I, I bl- brainstormed with myself. I've still got the mm. notepad. Have you? Where I wrote down kind of company names, and knew that I didn't want to. Although I'm very proud of my surname, didn't want it to be Richards Fed and Co. or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and really worked out in the end that everything I do is about everything I want to do is about mission mm. so whether it's fundraising um, 
it, it's so that a charity can do more good. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> um, but same with communications. Yeah. Same with governance. Yeah. So it's, it's all about mission. Yeah. And that, that's what drives my passion for the sector. That's really good that you identified that fairly early on because I can imagine some people's role or, or journey into consultancy is they maybe get offered a gig and it's like, oh, can I? Oh, yeah, I can do it. And then they kind of fall into it after that. But mm. to kind of have that foresight to actually sit down and go, okay, let's plan this. Let's brainstorm what it's going to do. Let's brainstorm its mission and then deliver it. Um, it's, it's good to hear. What does What does third sector mission control all about then i mean you know here's your chance for the elevator pitch like what's yeah if you don't okay so we work with charities to help them with their fundraising with their strategy with their governance and mm-hmm. their communications right so it's those four things um i personally often work as an interim mm-hmm. um normally in, in a fundraising capacity mm-hmm. uh, but also working with associates we go in and, and do shorter term pieces of work so governance reviews fundraising strategies mm-hmm. you name it it's got to be interesting and and helpful and it's got there and i guess are you at the point now where you can maybe you know look at the 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 the, the, the jobs or the positions on offer and be a little bit more selective than maybe you were earlier on or are you just now you know how does that work in terms of finding new new interim roles are people approaching you um yeah, it's it's largely word of mouth now. Is it? Um which okay. is good. Yes, um, of course. Sometimes sometimes through agencies, but normally normally word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um and I've tried to space out interims much in in the same way as you would feel like you've read a good book so you want to read magazines for a bit. Yeah. It just feels like that. I I, th- I whenever I've done a back-to-back uh, interim roles in in organizations, I've mentally I found that a bit tricky. Really? That's just, interesting. Yeah just in terms of emotional drain and kind of getting your head into it pushing through and then coming out the back of it and then you have to kind of go and do that all again yeah i think so um yes it's there's something about i've been i've been blogging and and presenting quite a bit about mental health but there's something there's something in particular about fundraising where you i think to be a good fundraiser you have to imbue your imbue the values of the organization yes and and it it can be quite draining Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and especially as an interim where, where you're really having to do it fast. Yes. Um, so going straight from one to the next can, can be tricky sometimes. How do you do that then? I mean, if, you, if you've got a, a new interim role coming up, like what does your, pre, I'm almost going to call it a pre-game routine look like? You know, like I know, I know you're an Arsenal fan, so we'll use a football analogy there. Uh, but, you know, yeah. what's your pre-match routine? Does it, do, you, do you kind of spend a bit of time researching the, the organisation? I'm obviously spending time with key people, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's off-season now, so I'm not talking about, <laughs> not talking about the Arsenal anyway. Um, I would, yeah, uh, to extend your analogy, I would say, there's a certain amount of warming up that you can do, mm. um, and there are organisations that, because because I'm nosy, I've followed followed for years. Yes. So so I I, I, I know what's what's been good about them, and and pe- colleagues and peers have said nice things about various organisations. Mm. So there there are a few that I'd really love to work for mm. in future. Mm. Um, but then in in terms of warming up. So I'm already aware of what, what those guys are doing. Yeah. But in terms of warming up, one of the beauties of the, of this uh, of this nomadic lifestyle is is that <laughs> I'm I'm having to pick up very quickly the essence so that I can communicate it. Mm. Um, so uh, and there've been charities that have I've, I've got jobs out out of left field or 
who were who were very recently set up, mm. um, and yeah, got to got to pick it up quickly, and that's that's part of the communications challenge. And how do you adapt to the culture going in as an interim? I mean, I think it's one thing that's kind of always fascinated me about interim managers when you're or interim directors, whatever it might be, when you're bought, being bought in to to do a specific job. Um, how do you kind of approach the culture element of it? Is there any tips you can give on on that side? Yeah, um, I've made sure that everywhere I've gone, I've had very early one-to-one meetings where I just listen. Right. So, and uh, with as many people as I can, um, even if they're only kind of half an hour long. Uh, so, with with peers across departments, but more importantly, teams of people that I'm managing. Mm. Or, or matrix managing mm. um, and really trying to 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 listen mm. and and think what value do I add here mm. um, and e- every every time I've done that it's been a kind of different different response yeah um, but uh, different I response that you've received from the people that you're talking to yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so okay. so different diff- cultures di- different yeah things. exactly diff- different needs needs arise yeah. and with 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 a lot of them it's been keep it business as usual yes. which is which is you know be a be a safe hand on the tiller or whatever yeah. the expression is yeah um and and, and I, I like to do that but mm. with a lot of others it's been uh we we need to rethink our strategy what should we do next and so so being able to do and they're, they're kind of diametrically opposed actually mm. so one of them is really about change management and the other one yeah. is about keeping things the same yeah and and to be ready in an instant to do either mm-hmm. um is is a skill that i've acquired i suppose yeah because i'm sure you must have an idea before you come in whether it is a kind of that we need this team looking after for six months or whatever it is or really want to we'll do some change here so we're bringing you in to do that i guess you have an idea before you go in there about yes yeah. largely and and i think it's important at interview stage to to be as clear as possible that it is a yeah, a two-way process, so yeah. that so that there are no surprises. Yes, when you when you get through the doors. Yeah, I can imagine. And so, I mean, you, you've touched a bit on some of the kind of clients you've worked for. What's a typical? Would you have even a typical role where you think this is this this is me? This is me. This is what I really <laughs> enjoy. This is what I. This is what gets me out of bed. I mean, obviously, I'm sure every job gets you out of bed in the morning. But is there s- specific ones that you're like? Yes, I re- I really like it when that comes in my inbox. <laughs> well, th- there are a few charities that. Uh, are very close to my heart. Right. Um, you mentioned one of them, Tommy's. Mm-hmm. Um, I've now worked for them three on three different occasions you. across twenty okay. years. Um, so, so they're in my sweet spot for for various reasons. Mm. Um, mm. I would say, uh, as a a client, I've, I've got a strong interest in the cultural sector. Right. For example, so yes. that's often in my sweet spot. Yes. But there are so many, so many areas of interest that I. I I, I can be surprised. I, yeah. I I thought that I wouldn't be be that excited about working for a cancer charity, mm. and then had mm. a had a lovely eight or nine months working for Cancer Research UK. Really, um, I thought I wouldn't work for. I thought I was more of a small charity animal, and, yes. then, and then again, ended up at Cancer Research UK for a bit. <laughs> so so you never can tell. And that's no. part of the delight, I think. And we've had a kind of number of people, I guess, on the show who who operate as consultants or, or interim staff. Why do you think that approach is is a good fit for our sector? Yeah, that's a, that's another good question. And I thought I wanted to interim six six years ago when I set up because 
I do, I do love managing teams and I, lo- I love that side of things and mm. I find it quite that it replenishes me mm. in a way that straight consultancy doesn't mm. um, but at, at that time it wasn't quite as commonplace as it is now um, I think for various reasons I think the having permanent staff is 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 this, this the ultimate solution um, but there are always there are always going to be gaps there are, there's always going to be maternity that needs to be covered yeah, and so on there, there are going to be people that leave and it takes time to replace them and so on there's also something about i think um charities and risk mm-hmm. um in that uh if they w- if they want to do things differently it sometimes works better for somebody external to to have a go and and, and interims a, a kind of a mixture of an external consultant and an internal employee yeah uh, and and that that works very well because the charity doesn't have the risk of a long-term salary mm-hmm. to be paying. Yeah, of course. When they're going through times of change, mm. so for various reasons, it seems to be a ha- happily for me, I suppose, a, a, a growth market. Yeah, happily for you, and I'm, I'm many, many others as well. I mean, there isn't many people, and obviously, probably don't meet the people that aren't having a great time. But if there was someone out there that thinking maybe consultancy could be part of their future. Um, whether that's now or whether that's in a couple of years once they've you know got kind of the uh, more well-rounded in terms of the the fundraising disciplines or the charity disciplines what but what advice would you would you give to them about kind of jumping into consultancy don't <laughs> <laughs> well um it's, it's difficult not to give advice without just talking about yourself and mm. and, and the first thing i would say was it, it's got to be right for you mm. um and then talking about myself i would i would be saying this is why I love it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it, it, I, I would, I think some people don't thrive on, on, on the insecurity of it. Mm. Um, and I'm not earning probably as well as I was when I was a, a fun fundraising director, but that, that's not as important to me actually. Yeah. So there's, there's got to be other drivers for people if they, if they're, if they want the security of a permanent job, then, mm-hmm. then maybe it's not for them. Um, but uh, in terms of in terms of challenge, in terms of accelerated learning, actually, yeah. twenty twenty five years into my career, I'm I think I'm learning about things much more quickly than ten fifteen years ago. Actually, wow. so so really learning uh, new skills around mentoring and coaching, yeah. around governance, around communications. Actually, by working with lots of great associates mm-hmm. uh, at a speed that I wasn't learning at previously. When you're maybe a full-time full-time yeah, role yeah. or something like that. So, so yeah, it's yeah. given me a, a whole new lease of life, and also the flexibility to to do other things like um, you know pro bono work mm. or or doing stuff because it's interesting at the same time. Yeah, I mean that's maybe answers my my next question. I wanted to talk a little bit more about kind of career development and maybe. Uh, some of of your experience of that, and I know you know you're you're as I said in, in the introduction, you're you know an avid member of the IOF. Um, you've done some mentoring. I think you're with the Tony, and I never know how to pronounce the surname. Tony Elisher. Elisher, right? Elisher. It is as it's written. Yeah, yeah, with the with the foundation and doing and doing lots of uh, of great work with with them and with other people. Can you? How have you managed your own sort of professional development, or what do you do today day to day to kind of ensure that you're keeping on top your skills are keeping fresh you're learning new skills 
Is there anything you can suggest? Yeah, absolutely. Funnily enough, I'm I'm going from this lunch to to meet my mentee. Oh, are you? Yeah, we, we've got our first session through the Tony Elisher Foundation ah, coming up. Your first one? Yes. Right. Yeah, brilliant. We, we've already had the tentative. Can we work with each other? Conversation. Yeah. How did that go? Um, well, it seems to be fine because <laughs> we're, we're having our first session. Yeah, sure. Coming up um, this afternoon. I'm very excited about it. Um, I I was very lucky enough to have a a brilliant manager who then. Uh, upon retiring, decided that he was going to become a coach. Right. And that I was going to be one of... And I, he asked if anybody wants to be a guinea pig. Early while, victims. While, yeah, early victims, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he... So this this was well over a decade ago. Mm. Um, proves to be an inspiration for me now, actually. Really? Uh, so I, he I, he's now sitting on my shoulder and, and giving me advice, even though he's not there. Wow. I mean, he's not... He's, th- he's still with us he's in, in general yeah. terms, but <laughs> <laughs> he's not literally on my shoulder. Yeah. Um, and 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 ever since then, in fact, pretty much from that year, I've been mentoring other people. So my my advice to anybody is is get someone that is, isn't working with you day to day, isn't living with you day to day, and who who can listen to you mm. and really actively listen to you um, while you while you get your thoughts in order actually and mm. help help you come to the answer yourself mm. and that's a lot about what coaching's about at least in, in my yes. experience yeah right? absolutely uh, and i've touched on it before on the, on on the podcast i got a bit of my volunteer work was with the samaritans and a, mm. a very similar um type of approach around people that are in need getting them to talk about it themselves and actually come to the conclusions themselves rather than providing them with the advice and do this do this do this and yeah indeed and and the other thing I would say, the, the the other side of things is that it's not all about altruism, and and I've benefited so much from from being a mentor. Mm. So anybody listening, I would say, get out and, and be a mentor. Get out and it's do a it. real real key key thing for me. Um, I've learned much more about properly listening to other people, mm. um, and rather than just thinking about what I'm going to say next. Mm. And um, just talking a little bit about your Tony Elisha uh, experience so far, do you know how long you're going to work with this mentee? Is it a mentee? Yes. Yeah. Yes, mentee. Yes, yes mentee. it sounds like a suite, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, yes, uh, it's 12 to 18 months. Okay. And and we can continue thereafter, but continue there we, it, that's that's the initial initial period. Mm. Um, and at the session I'm going to next, we'll be setting our um, kind of annual goals or or their annual goals. Nice. Um, and we may, we may deviate from those, but uh, it's meant to be a kind of journey mm. to use X-factor terms. Yes, <laughs> yeah, of course. And I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's something that we're hearing more about, I guess, in terms of, of mentoring and about empowering people to kind of live up to their potential. And we all need a little bit of a help here and there. I mean, I'm sure we can sit in a room and kind of figure out our own goals and try and hold ourselves accountable, but just talking about those goals and talking about someone who maybe can share some of their experience about achieving their goals can yes. can certainly help so yeah indeed and and that's the, i suppose one of the differences between mentoring and coaching is that is that i have had i've have got some of the experience that can be helpful directly yeah. in the job um but I, I i still would say the the best answers are the ones you you come up to come up with yourself mm yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, we wanted to touch a little bit on, um, for the listeners, on Pizzas for Losers. We should give them a shout out, <laughs> shouldn't we? Uh, Nikki Bell and her session that was 
um, actually yesterday, and we recorded mm-hmm. some footage there, or uh, one of our uh, friends of the show did, so we'll hopefully get an episode out there. But I just wanted to talk, uh, touch a little bit on, I guess, the idea behind uh, Pizzas for Losers, which was around people sharing their fundraising-related stories of, of failure. Yes. Um, and that, you know, there was, I don't know, 10, 12 speakers who, who, who got up and actually were given 10 to, t- 10 to 20 minutes each to actually get up there. And, and that's some big names, some, some, you know, well-respected people that have been around a long time in the sector. Yeah. How, how was the experience for you being there? It was wonderful. It was a stellar lineup, mm. really, really stellar. There were only eight speakers, actually. So eight they, speakers, sorry. So they were able to go in, in, into real depth and... I was I was just there as an attend as a delegate, mm. um, so I had nothing to do with the organising of it. I just, but I thought it was wonderful. I th- I think it's, I I hope that it will be a become a fixture in the kind of charity circuit, mm. um, and it worked very well because because um, lots of sessions and and conferences, there's there's a tendency, uh, frankly, to 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 show off because yeah you share the good stuff yeah you never talk the good yeah um and and not not in a terrible way and people want to learn when things have gone well but actually this this was very refreshing because um there was there was humility there uh people um, and people talking about the lessons they've learned so Mm. that they've got back up and and gone again um and i found that both well, very funny um, and and actually awe-inspiring. It was a wonderful event, mm. and, yeah. and we got to eat pizza. And you got to eat pizza with pineapple or without? That's the question. Uh, without, isn't it? For <laughs> without for me. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I saw a bit of debate on that on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> about no, I think it's um, it was a disappointing that uh, that James or myself couldn't couldn't go along because I think it's uh, an absolutely brilliant concept to be able mm. to get people who can be humble and, as you say. You, you quite often go to conferences and events and everybody wants to tell the great story, the, the what worked well. And even sometimes it's kind of moulded to make it look potentially better than, than, it, than it was. Yes. But just to have people honestly giving an honest account. Um, and, and we touched on it before when we were talking around, particularly around the, the topic of mental health being so prevalent at the moment in the sector and about the fact, well, in society generally, that we all have to acknowledge you know when we failed and when we haven't done go, done things right and and, and yes. that haven't things haven't worked out um what have you seen do you mind talking a little bit around the kind of mental health in the sector i, I did listen to your podcast with mandy uh johnson another kind of do more good alumni who's doing the not the mandy johnson show that's, oh yes. that's the one. um yeah you spoke to a little bit about her about mental health and have um, you got any thoughts I presented with her about, about mental sorry health. that was yeah. right it was presentation wasn't it yes. you did about resilience and about Having your cup and uh, yeah, it was a bucket. Yeah, your yeah. bucket. Yeah, I can right. happily tell you a bit more about that. No, um, yeah, it was very, mu- very much inspired by Mandy. Mandy, and um, yeah, I've been thinking for a few years about about mental health and why why fundraisers in particular are, are prone to to stress. Mm. Um, and I, it's a lots of reasons that I, I think that you, you would kind of expect around. Uh, high demands, targets, p- uh, pressure from managers, but there's, there's much more besides. I think around values, and mm. if you're going to be a good fundraiser, then you you arguably need to Im- really believe in those values and, and feel that um, that you can communicate them. Mm. Um, and and there can be kind of secondary trauma from from 
your your connection with 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 the cause. Mm. Uh, I've, I've I've seen, um, and then you you may get knockbacks. Uh, so when people say no, that that can hit you personally. Mm. And this was touched upon yesterday um, at the Pizza for Losers event, um, and also for 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 good or ill fundraising is often not seen as the very centre of an organisation. So it's not what the charity does a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and so it can kind of literally be a thankless thankless task mm. if you're not careful. Mm. Um, so fundraisers often feel underappreciated, I think. Yeah. Um, and what Mandy and I talked about in particular was, um, I suppose it's one of the benefits of growing older and, and fighting back from experiences, mm. um, was... Uh, a, a a bucket model where um, your bucket is is filling up with water that so all the, all the various contributory factors so different types of s- stressful situations or or whether it's life or your boss or or, or relationships or your work or or your relationship. yeah. exactly yeah um, and then uh, working out what your taps are so that that will that will lower the the water level. Mm. Um, and mine are, uh, you, I think you mentioned earlier, park run, yeah, um, playing playing the cornet in a brass band, yeah, that kind of thing. But for me, the gist of that presentation was was especially about learning to recognise uh, how that stress physically feels for me, mm. so I can kind of see it coming, mm. um, and, and what my my personal indicators are. Mm. So so whether it's uh, Waking up at five in the morning and, and st- already worrying about a work situation, or um, spending my, most of my time imagining things that then, or arguments that then never happen. Mm. Um, all of those things are authentically me, and and actually, if if I can control them, mm. they can make me a good fundraiser. Yes. So it's all about balance. Finding that balance. Yeah, I read your uh, your blog post on it and, I've, and I, I saw the session that you and Mandy did and sorry, yes, it was at the IFA, IOF Yorkshire That's right, event, yes. wasn't it? Yes. Um, and, and quite a lot of it rung, rung true, with it, true, true with myself. I think mental health's been uh, you know, a topic I've been interested in and, and obviously experienced and for, for a number of years. And I, I, just picking up on what you talked around fundraisers potentially being more susceptible, I think is correct because we, especially for those of us who are so passionately connected to the cause, where yes. it's not just a job; it's it's a life. Yeah. And you yeah. know, you 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 kind of go home at the end of the day, and it's not as if you can. I don't know. Not a lot. A lot of jobs aren't like this, but you mm. can't close the. Some of us can't close the door on it. And of course, if you're not dealing with that and you're not finding your taps, then things yeah. can quite quickly uh, become overwhelming. And I know there's been times mm. in my career when I felt that this is okay something's happening and you know i'm not feeling myself and finding those vehicles and actually um we've been doing a lot at my current place of work on on mental health and we had the mental health first aiders course come in and do training which was absolutely brilliant but also um during mental health awareness week which was two weeks ago perhaps um you know one of our directors stood up and basically talked about his mental health and was very open about it and i think that was amazing to see when Mm. the fact Mm. that now people in senior positions are willing to stand up and share their experience and it just it just brings it home um that it's it's normal it's part of everybody absolutely Um, And, and one of the things i learned actually again from leap confronting conflict is that um vulnerability isn't a bad thing no and and being able to being able to express it is is arguably a, a real strength mm. um 
and and two of two of the presentations at this pizza Falooza's pizza Falooza's event really focused on the fact that you, it's okay to say it's okay to get off it's it's okay to say actually this isn't for me mm. um it looked good at the time but yeah i need to walk away yeah and, and somebody else may do it better that, that's okay yeah yeah absolutely and i think uh, yeah because i uh, i know uh nikki was sh- sharing some stories on the run-up to the event and i and i read a blog and i i forget who it was by <coughs> But it was someone taking a role that they very quickly figured out that it wasn't the role that yes, they. Yes, I think thought. nine weeks was the. Uh, was that yeah. was that someone who presented yesterday? Yes, was it? That's right. uh, okay, because yeah, yeah. I had a very similar experience to that myself. I took a a role. Uh, this is relatively early in my career. I was twenty six, twenty seven. Um, took a role which was a step up, senior manager mm. job, great salary, all of yep. those things, and three months in I was uh, coming home every day going what have I done this isn't for me and actually ended up going back to my old role old job and, yep. uh, and you know I remember at the time thinking oh you failed you haven't done what you've you know but the lessons that I learned from that were that I take forward with me today like you don't need to just accept a situation if it's not it's not fitting with you don't be afraid of, of changing it and I think that's something that peop- good for people to be aware of yeah yeah I mean, and it's absolutely great that you're you're taking lessons from that because mm. Because that that's w- that's one of the things about failure, I think, is um, is it, it's about how we respond to it and what we learn from it. What we take is most important. Mm. Yeah. So, just want to touch quickly. I know we've been go- well. See, conversations fly by. You're just uh, <laughs> thirty five minutes in. Um, wow. So, just a, a little bit wh- while we've got you here, as someone with your you know your experience um, and and all the great charities that you've worked for, I wanted to touch on the future of the sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, you know, I mean, I know that's a big question and, and, and difficult to kind of judge but um, you know it's, it continues to be buoyant it continues to be an exciting place to be we see innovation in, in, in lots of areas but also facing challenges um, as it always has is there anything that you're seeing through through your work with various organisation that's maybe the kind of the start of the, the next wave or the start of a, a new type of approach um, with how charities should be kind of communicating or in, engaging with its supporters yeah, I'm I'm uh, an optimist. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very excited about what's going to happen over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say that firstly, um, I think the r- the recent stories, for example, about um, giving the number of people giving going down, but they're they're giving bigger amounts. Yeah, is particularly interesting actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for me, it shows that we're we're we as charities are building better relationships with. Mm-hmm with those donors mm. so there are some things to celebrate there actually yeah e- even if the total giving is currently plateauing i think mm. we're we're hopefully building better relationships um the in terms of the the future i'm very excited um about kind of the, the next generation i suppose of, of fundraising leaders that that i'm seeing presenting at, at various various events um, I think I think the future is in very safe hands actually, mm. and, th- and there's lots of kind of passion coming in behind. Yes. So so that that's great. Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, wha- so you asked about examples of of. Um, I guess how how examples of how charities might be communicating or or in, in engaging with 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 donors in in the future is there anything that kind of you're you're seeing from the roles that you've had anything that's kind of really innovative and, and changing things up slightly yeah um well the 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 event that i've seen 
work wonderfully um and and i can't i can take absolutely no credit it's kind of four or five years in the making and i i watched as it launched is is the london landmarks event that that mm-hmm. uh tommy's organized mm-hmm. um and i i i think i think it's a wonderful event actually mm-hmm. because because it's not just about them as an organization it's actually a, a celebration of of charities more broadly mm-hmm. and, and charities doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there, there's tremendous future in that actually, mm-hmm. um, that people uh, are happy to go to an event, um, knowing that overall it's, it's for a variety of good causes. Mm. Um, and I, I think that that trend actually was set, set by London marathon, for mm-hmm. example, too, mm. but there's, there's, there's kind of interesting evolution of of events. Yeah, that uh, I I've, I think it is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, there's been talk of event fundraising uh, leading to a disconnect between people who are running, say, and and the charity. But actually, what I've seen in uh, events like the London Landmarks and others is that you can really build a strong connect connection with your with your participants yeah if you do it right yeah I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that i mean you know my fundraising experience was was it was in events and seeing the value of doing it well and, and now in my position at, at london marathon you know mm. seeing holistically a bit more of a kind of cross the sector how yes. valuable and and great as an onboarding tool those events can become and it's no longer someone maybe just you know raising 150 pounds and doing a half marathon yes they might only raise 150 pounds but the way that you guide them through that whole experience, you can actually get a supporter for life there. And yeah, absolutely. And I was I was running Park Run just last Saturday mm. in St Albans mm. and ran alongside somebody who was wearing a Tommy's vest. Really? And <laughs> and we did a little fist pump. I wasn't wearing my Tommy's vest, but we we cheered on team, team Tommy's and and oh, obviously I was much quicker than her. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, you know, with Tommy's tattoo, I haven't got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great, and you see them everywhere now, right? You see people using using their vests and proud of what they've done, and, and proud of the the great charity organisations that we have in this Absolutely. country. Absolutely, and yeah. uh, long may that continue. That's really great. Um, so, I guess finally, Richard, I know we've taken a lot of your time here, and we do appreciate it on the Do More Good podcast. As I say, it's really great to meet no you. Problem. Are there any kind of interesting projects, campaigns, initiatives coming up that you, you wanted to kind of share with our listeners before before we kind of let you go? Um, I'm. That's a. I, w- I would certainly want to have wanted to talk about uh, Peter Falutas. Yes. So oh, so we kind of covered uh, that so one. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for asking. Um, I'm. I'm going to be talking at the Institute of Fundraising convention. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole load of new material. I sound, I sound like a comedian, don't I? <laughs> um, but uh, it's going to be my first. My first attempt to spend a whole hour linking uh, fundraising to football. Wow. Um, so we'll see how that gets on. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it'd be everything from from the offside rule to kind of tactics to uh, theories about management and so on. What day is that at the conference? Uh, it's on the Wednesday, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, I think I'm there on the Wednesday, late on doing a session that Nikki's asked me to part of. Oh, great stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, we will see you there. That's brilliant. Um, sounds like fun. What I want to do is just do quick fire summary questions. Okay. So you might have seen these in advance, so I'm sure you've got some ideas. Hopefully not. <laughs> um, but we just normally rattle through these just to kind of get put you a little bit on the spot. Okay. So here we go. 
So if we could place, if you could place an ad across Facebook, across the entire world for what, for one day, what would it say and why? Um, yeah, I did see the question in advance, but I didn't have an answer <laughs> immediately. Um, it's for me, it's something to do with reconnecting to what you're passionate about or who you're passionate about. Yeah. So it would be something along the lines of who haven't you spoken to recently? Speak call to them. them. Call them. I like that. Especially because I'm a bit of an advocate for calling people rather than sending emails. So <laughs> James always has a go at me. He's like, why do you always phone me? Why don't you just send me a message? I'm like, I don't like sending yeah, messages. I'd I much rather speak to someone on the phone. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, what's the one bit of advice that you've been given in your career that, that really sticks with you today? Um, well, I mentioned my brilliant manager of 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and he took me aside after one meeting where I was very excited to to speak to somebody, and he said, you've got to stop interrupting people. Um, just stop and listen. Um, and I've remembered that to this day, actually. Wow. Um, that It's what I was talking about earlier, about mentoring. Yes. But really waiting till somebody said their piece and really understanding what they've said mm. before, before responding. Before responding. So the act difference between reacting and responding i mm. suppose mm. that's really good i like that um and obviously as a podcast that focuses around people doing more good what's your one favorite story or inspiring individual that you've met on your journey has done something good for others and it um, can be fun it doesn't it can be fun <laughs> it can be serious it can be anything um, you want well i think i share this the same hero with a lot of people and i've mentioned the astonishing global initiative he set up, but it's, it's a chap called Paul Sinson Hewitt. Yes. Um, who I've been lucky enough to meet. Um, he, he set up Park Run, um, and he, he upholds the, the values of that organisation better than anybody I've, I've, I've ever met, actually. Mm. And he understands that um, it's not just about volunteering, mm. um, it, it's, it's not just about running, yeah. um, it's about a sense of community and although Park Runner initially wasn't a charity um, it's always behaved like one mm. and, and one that we can learn from I would say yeah no that's a great one I've met Paul myself as well yeah he's an absolute great chap and yep. lo- love Park Run well that's brilliant Richard thank you so much for joining us if anyone wants to find you if they don't follow you or, or already on, on social media or where, where can they go to pick your brains or reach out if they want to um yes so my name is richard sved i'm I'm on twitter i'm on linkedin um or google third sector mission control and you should should find me there perfect well that's good well look thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it good luck and we'll look forward to seeing you at the iof conference thank you lovely to meet you cheers richard bye-bye so james just wrapped up another fantastic episode if i don't say so myself how did you find it it's all right wasn't it (laughs) If anyone wants to kind of follow up and actually enjoy this thing, where can they find us? Well, we're on Twitter, Kenneth, at Do More Good Pod. Instagram, at Do More Good Pod. Have we gone multi-channel and even gone to YouTube? We have, but you can find all those videos on the website, domoregood.uk. And if you want to contact us by email, please use contact at domoregood.uk. 